Welcome to Making the Dough Show. I'm John Cohn. I'm Nate C. Murray. How are you doing, Nate? It's Friday afternoon. I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm gorged. I'm very full. Um, <laughs> we're doing a weight loss contest here at IDW. Oh boy! And uh, so, obviously, being a gamer, I'm min maxing. So I went and had a very heavy lunch, and uh, it was funny because. <clears throat> I weighed in this morning, and I weighed in after lunch, and I, I put two pounds on, so Holy cow, uh, it was the lunch. right move. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm now drinking grapefruit juice and already trying my, starting my cut. Nice. All right, yeah. cool. Well, um, let's start with some updates. We were uh, working on getting Pun Pong ready for production. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that we really decided that we needed to get done this week was we found our graphic designer to do the final design. Correct. Uh, and we finalized the rule sheet. Uh, which was a kind of a funny thing because I had gone through it a couple of times and made sure that the rules were all very clear. But then I realized at the end, at no point did I actually define exactly what a pun is. And I'm still not clear. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a little nebulous. Yeah. So, so uh, from, from a little bit of my Google uh, and, and researching, a pun technically is when you use a word or parts of a word out of context or in a different context uh, in a sentence. So that is what a pun is, and then there's all sorts of ways that you know you can say you just using the word or using a different spelling of the same word to mean something else. Right. So that is at base what a pun is. Um, but then you know there's obviously like new made up words that people say um, that that is also pun. Like we were, I was doing some coffee punning with my friend, and I said, you know, you got a macchiato dose of your medicine there, and it's like, well. That's that's a new word, but it's using macchiato and and dose, so it, it creates a kind of a conjunction word. So yeah. that that was an interesting and fun thing that you kind of have to realize when you're writing rule sheets or rule books is like, oh, I have to play out to like the very very obvious stuff that I thought you know at some point. Well, people know what a pun is if they're getting this game. They may not. Right. You know, you you may want to have to really go into the nitty gritty and define every single piece of it. Yeah, I think that's important. I, I, we just had a conversation on a game that IDW is publishing, and um, all their examples show a balance of card distribution. And it says 10 times in the rule books you can put the cards here or there or anywhere, but all their visual examples show the cards evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, we need to change that. So even if you, it's the rule of uh, sales, the rule of anything in communication is tell them, tell them what you told them, then tell them again. Yeah. Right? So hammer at home. Uh, but yeah, Pun Pong's about to lock and ship. Uh, we bought a sell sheet. We'll be a physical product soon. So and we can stop great. calling it. We bought a sell sheet. No, I would never. No. <laughs> uh, and then in other news, we got some fun updates for Council of Verona. Correct. Yeah. So Council of Verona is going to be in February. Um, we have a new artist joining us. Uh, so uh, we've had a great run with education and teachers lately. Teachers of mm-hmm. uh, after us teaching the marketing class up in Torrey Pines. Um, right. Other teachers have reached out. We will be repeating that experience. And then a very famous teacher that people might know, uh, Neil Jeffrey Bellinger, the game designer of Killer Bunnies, um, is also a math teacher by day. And his partner in his business, Jonathan Young, uh, who's drawn all the art ever for Killer Bunnies, is going to actually provide us with a promo card for Council of Verona. Yeah. Well, probably it ends up being in Council of Creepies. It will be in Council yeah. of Creepies. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But but That's same I, same yeah. package. It's in the same. It's in the same. You're thing. paying the same money. You're getting two games. You're right. doing great. Right. You're right. listening to this. Everything's great. <laughs> uh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So that's exciting, and uh, we're still on track, hopefully, to launch our Kickstarter for Verona in February. Uh, so keep an eye out. Yeah, for we're that. well on we're well on track there. So yeah. we'll be doing uh, some audience building and and. Um, 
work into pre-market and I think someone who's very good at that is actually on the line with us right now. Yeah, so we actually have a special guest with us today. Uh, he is the founder and uh, CEO of Epic Everything Epic Games. Do we CEO? have a CEO? I think we're the CEO. Just oh, co- collaborative okay. CEO. We might have to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, welcome uh, Chris Patarlis. Hey, how you doing guys? Good, good. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking a break from the grind. John Absolutely. Was... Haven't stopped for hours. This is, uh, this is my break. <laughs> was that a pun, John? That was. That was the thank grind. You. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's because John has a game with Chris. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got Grindhouse that we just had a, a really successful and really fun Kickstarter end. Um, and thank you, Chris, for, for really knocking it out of the park. I just when you sent me that the art from the very beginning, <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is in such good hands." <laughs> yeah, the uh, thanks so much. We really appreciate. It. I mean, as I said, ever since I, I saw the pitch and, and I played the game and, and read the the stories and the narrative, I mean, that's that's really what everything Epic loves to publish. We love those story based games, those really thematic games, and Grindhouse is just perfect for it. So. You know, we had to make that art and the theme really fit. So it's, it was really exciting for us. So we're, we're really glad that it was, it was successful and uh, we're really looking forward to the future of Grindhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it was funny because I remember when I first talked to you and I'd sent in the pitch because I was going to Gamma last year and I, was, I thought that you were going to be there. Um, and so I had sent you the pitch and you gave me a call while I was right in the hotel room, right about to head out and do some, some pitching. Um, and, and the most successful meeting I had at the entire Gamma last year was with you, the only person who wasn't at Gamma that I talked to, uh, which was, I thought was, was pretty funny. It, it just worked out super well though in that case. Uh, but you, and you have, funny, we were talking about teaching. You have a background in teaching as well, don't you? That's right. Yeah. I was a, a, an English teacher uh, for high school, also a reading specialist uh, for K-12 for quite a few years. Wow. So, so how does a teacher, because this seems to be kind of a running theme. We've got another designer, uh, Eric Slauson, that we're working with, who's also, a, uh, I believe, an English teacher. Right. Uh, uh, how, Sen is a teacher. Sen Fung Lin is a teacher. Jesse is a teacher. Yeah. How, what is the, the spark in a, in a teacher that d- decides that they want to get into, into gaming? Ironically, I mean, I, I started back, I always say this, I started back in the Ice Age, right? So I started... <laughs> Magic the Gathering Ice Age when I was just a kid. Oh, uh, <laughs> actual, actual Ice Age uh, run. Legitimate, the Ice Age. That's right. <laughs> Almost a pun, but not really. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, all my life I've loved gaming, and I went into theater, actually, first. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, my, my first degree is in, is in theater studies. And then I decided to go into teaching while uh, doing theater at the same time. So, basically, it's almost like a perfect transition from theater to English teacher to screenwriter. And then Ooh. he said, you know what, man, it's, it's really hard to get a movie made. I don't have millions of dollars, but I could take that movie and make it into a board game. <laughs> hey, nice. man, how, you know, however you are able to get that storytelling bug out there. There you go. So Secrets of the Lost Tomb was born. And after 14 boxes of product, um, we started making other games. <laughs> That's, and so, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how everything Epic came to be from from teaching. So I, I taught for the first few years of the business, but you know, um, luckily enough, uh, we worked really, really hard. And uh, basically, last not this past October, but the year before, um, 
you know, was basically um, that past year was was basically my first year um, of starting to just be a game publisher. So it's it's been my my a little bit over a year anniversary now. Wow! Just, Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Right? And then of course now you're you're a, a big time publisher. You've got Big Trouble in Little China. You've got Rambo. You've got all these big licenses coming out. Uh, at, what's the process? You know that goes from from saying like I've got this game, I've got this story I want to tell. That goes into well, I'm going to be the actual publisher myself. It's it's a it's a very very long, hard, difficult road. You have to be ready to own a business, run the business, be the marketing person, be the salesperson. I mean, I'm a one one man company for full time worker. It's just me. Wow. Um, you know, I have a lot of amazing freelancers and people who work with me. Um, who are awesome and they work very hard and, and help me a lot. But uh, other than that, I'm a one man person. And, and I mean, basically, you know, um, when you want to start to make a product, you know, there is a lot more that goes into it than people really think. I mean, there's a lot of game designers out there who want to run a Kickstarter. And I, when they, when they talk to me and I, and I do a lot of panels and stuff at different game design conventions, like I just did one at Metatopia here in New Jersey. And, um, you know, I, I talked on the Kickstarter panel with, with some other uh, great, great folks um, and I, when people ask me, you know, oh, what does it, what does it take? We want to make our game. I'm like, first thing you have to ask yourself is, are you ready to run a business? Um, do you have another job? You know, it's almost like the shark tank thing where they say, are you ready to quit your job to run this business? Because it really does, you know, take a ton of time, a ton of dedication and a ton of work to, to make, you know, something successful. Now you can make one game and that can be your hobby, but do you want to actually create it into a publishing company where you can make lots of games? And, and market those games and sell those games in thousands and quantities around the world. Um, when it, when it comes to that, you have to be ready, you know, and, and it's, it's a lot of work and experience that that goes into it for sure. Did you have any, any friends in the industry or any connections going into this or, or were you just a, a, a tank of, of wanting to get it done and said, man, I'm, I'm just going to pull up, you know, and, and, and do it. That's, that's pretty much exactly what happened. I learned and taught myself from the ground up, basically everything. I didn't start with any any funding. I didn't start with any uh, you know backers other than my first Kickstarter. I mean, I, I took money out of my own bank account. I'm I'm not rich. I, I started from very humble, you know, uh, suburban uh, beginnings. You know, I went to to regular county and then regular state universities. You know, um, uh, you know, so from from my own pocket and savings, I, I was able to make the first game and and build it from there. You know, and it just takes a lot of hard work tons and tons of hours and uh, lots of determination, you know? Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's incredible, yeah. especially, you know, cause for, for me, I was lucky enough to, to get to meet Nate and, and a bunch of other people early on. And San Diego is kind of a hub for a lot of game uh, companies and, and designers. So I, I had, I feel like somewhat an easy road or an easier path just because I, I made some really, really fortuitous friends early on that, that helped me get my foot in the door. I can't imagine trying to just jump right in cold and say, this is, this is what I'm going to do and I'm, nothing's going to stop me until I get there. Uh, that's, that's the key, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's really, <laughs> it's exactly that. It's that mentality to, to work really hard and, and not take no for an answer and, and learn what you have to learn and, and get help where you need it. You know, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but um, I'm willing to humbly ask for help and get people to help me work on things that I need help with. I'm not, I'm not a professional graphic designer or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an English teacher, but that doesn't mean I can edit all of my writing, you know, mm -hmm. I, need to know where where you're great you know I, I have an accountant you know that kind of 
<laughs> yeah, no, we need you, to get one of those. <laughs> oh, do we not have one? We, we do, but we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> oh, good. So, yeah. so run us through kind of that process of, of Secrets of the Lost Tomb, what, what that situation was like from, from having the game. So you, you, you had a, a co-designer with you on the game. Was that, was that Jim Sammartino? Yeah, Jim used to be a partner in the company, actually, and he has a full-time job and a, and a couple of kids and stuff like that. And he stepped out of the company last year, um, but he's still working on Secrets of the Lost Station now. He and I um, worked on that game. I kind of created the concept and the game design, and he was more of the graphic designer at the time. Um, that's kind of what he was working on in his life, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, skill-wise, you know, he, was, he would actually have his own little mini T-shirt company called Ninjace that he was doing for a while, and he was sponsoring MMA fighters because he's actually a he's like a black belt teacher for oh. many many years. And um, anyway, yeah, teacher, yeah, <laughs> yeah teacher, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, right? Um, and so you know, he and I, you know, worked millions of hours seemingly to to write these ridiculous amounts of scenarios. I mean. We're talking full narrative scenarios that are multiple pages. And then we had over 120 unique art room tiles for this game. <sighs> the course of basically five full scenario expansions and five boxes of miniatures, plus the core game, plus other small offshoot expansions. It was insane. Um, but it was epic, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's why it's sold out. And, and, it, and it, you know, it, it there's a lot of diehard fans for, for Secret of the Lost Tomb. It really told the story. And that's what we tried to do. We tried to take our screenplay ideas and our, our, our you know, um, all of the love for things like Indiana Jones and, and other mythologies and put them into to the game so that people could experience the game that we'd love to play, right? So that's kind of everything Epic's motto. It's of the gamer, by the gamer, for the gamer, right? Mm-hmm. It's about making games that gamers love to play. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, we were, and then of course you were talking a little bit about um, Secrets of the Lost Station, and, and you were you were gracious enough to give me an opportunity to do some writing on that one, and so I've I've seen the lore of that one, and I can attest firsthand that it is it is an epic story of, <laughs> of epic scale uh, that I can I can't wait to play it. I can't wait for my friends to get to experience this story in in the true narrative fashion that it's it's intended because obviously I've I've spoiled it for myself as far as as the story goes. I know I know everything that happens, but um, to be able to have that unfold over a series of 10, 20, 40 playthroughs, um, it really is an interesting concept that that I think that you kind of beat out some of the the big ones that did it, like uh, that that were like uh, Gloomhaven or mm-hmm. Kingdom Death, that were these right. mega long form stories, um, you know, and that that's now become such a huge sort of subgenre of game, and uh, and and you did it just because you wanted to make a, a really epic and and cool story and find a new way to tell that format. I think that's There's really exciting. Stories in that game, one hundred and two, oh, eighty-six full narrative scenarios. Um, plus a couple of part scenarios, so there's multi-part ones in there, plus the the, thir- the over 13 plus other story missions that you can play at the same time. It somehow comes out to 102 uh, actual different stories that go along this gigantic narrative epic saga of a board game. It's 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 insane. 108 miniatures. If you have the miniatures version, wow. I mean, Lost Station is going to be. Basically, a Borg cube-sized <laughs> box of original, unique content in this original universe that started back in like 
an Indiana Jones theme that has escalated to this sci-fi grand saga, um, which, you know, is, is I think kind of a really cool, unique progression for a board game story to go in. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also cool that, you know, this is your IP. This is something that you created. This is your brand uh, that you can say is, is entirely, you know, you're owned by you, uh, which, which is just, it's, it's more exciting. I think sometimes when you're like, look, look what I built from, from the ground up, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Someday maybe it will become a movie. Like we always dreamed. Yeah. Nice. Netflix series or something, right? <laughs> right. I, the, the first, uh, Netflix series based off of, or, or really any visual based off of a board game, that's not like Battleship or something terrible. <laughs> I mean, Clue, Clue is the bar at this right? point to yeah. beat. So. Something where there was a narrative and a lore baked in and right. not just invented to, to sell some tickets. Yeah, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of words of narrative. I mean, there's probably a couple of paperbacks, novels in this scenario book alone, right? It's going to be hundreds of pages of scenario book. It's being laid out now, and it's, it's going to be hundreds of pages. It's wow. insane. <laughs> that's exactly. very cool True. Exactly. and then sort of jumping from your own IPs that you created into licensed IPs uh, you made the the very popular uh, Big Trouble in Little China game which uh, what we just saw was on, on Dice Tower's top 10 yeah. congratulations Boom. that's amazing Boom. thank you very much yeah we were we were psyched so, um, yeah no. tell us a little bit about that process and how you got into doing license from, from your own stories yeah I mean so <laughs> Ironically enough, as I said, you know, I started back in the Ice Age, and back in those days, um, you know, um, those 80 movies were king. I mean, I, I've loved them all my life. And Big Trouble in Little China, you know, is, is really one of my favorites growing up. And I found somebody else, Boris Polanski, who, who um, also is a humongous fan of it. And, and we were talking about it, and we were like, you know what, listen, let's just do this. And just like I said about Secrets of the Lost Tomb, starting from the ground up, you know, we we basically started from zero licenses, which is very difficult to our first right. actual studio owned movie license. Um, and that's not something that anybody can do. It takes uh, money, time, track record, um, you know, solicitation. It's a lot of work. Um, it took over a year plus just to get the license and uh, and then well over a year plus to make this epic game. And, and a lot of investment and, and from a small company like us, a lot of investment um, for, for us. So, you know, um, but yeah, after after getting that license, we were able to basically have enough great freedom with the game to be able to pour the passion and, and love for that movie into that game and allow it to to play out in. I just I think the perfect way for Big Trouble in Little China. I think it really, you know, came out even above my own expectations yeah that's fantastic yeah it's an it's an excellent game well and and one thing that i always see like if there's one question that i see on on tabletop design subreddits or uh at speaking events at cons you know from people who want to get into the game industry i think the question most asked is is how do you get a license as a designer and I feel like that that road is almost impossible as a designer. You should not do that. You shouldn't approach that. But you're in in a a much different position uh, as a publisher to be able to go out and get that license. Um, do you do any sort of design work prior to getting that license, or do you say, you know, we've got a very light sell sheet or pitch sheet, and this is what we kind of our vision for it, 
um, and wait to put in that work until you've already secured that license? I absolutely never put in a lot of work into creating a game until we know we have secured the license 100% contracted. I, I think that that can become a big waste of time and, and effort um, to, to make a game that may not actually be able to be made the way you want it. So oftentimes, like, um, there's been a couple of licenses that, you know, people have re really been wanting us to do, um, such as, like, the follow-up to Big Trouble Little China. People have been asking to do something like uh, Escape from New York. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things we thought about doing, right? It made perfect sense, nice. right? It's another Kurt Russell. It's another John Carpenter, right? So the first thing we did was go kind of the, before we even went to, to explore the license 100%, we, we said, um, what kind of game can we make here? So we, we kind of just came up with a few different concepts and things and never really found the hot concept that we really thought perfectly fit um, Escape from New York. I think Big Trouble in Little China for us lent itself so well to a questing narrative game that allowed you to kind of sandbox around in that universe and it had a lot of room to play because it was just so rich. Whereas Escape from New York has a specific mission and it's very solo based in a lot of ways in its feel. Um, and, and I felt it was a lot, a lot more narrow in its designability. And um, so, you know, we, we take a lot of that into consideration before we go ahead and, and create a license like Rambo, the board game, for instance, that has a lot of room to play. in. Like we could have gone a ton of different directions with that game. And, and we picked, I think, a really great tactical direction to, to make you feel like you're Rambo in that game. Um, you know, but again, we didn't design the game before we got the license. We came up with some concepts and directions um, and a feel, and then we, we went for it and said, okay, this is going to be great, and then go for it. Gotcha. That's D awesome. Does it, does it get easier finding other licenses after you've secured that one big fish, uh, or, or do you kind of keep have to reach out and hammer it for each one? Not, let me just put it that way. Nothing is easy, right? <laughs> Every single studio is different. Every single licensor, the person you're getting the license from, is different. Um, they all have different expectations, different um, royalties that they're looking for, different amounts of money that they're looking for for guarantees, the amount of money that they want down that you have to put out for the license, um, different response rates and approval processes. So... Um, it's it's very complex. Let's put it that way. It, it's very difficult, and I think that if you're not going to do the license above and beyond justice, then it's not worth it for you to create a board game out of it. That's 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 how I feel about it. You know, if you're going to go through the process and the hard work of getting a license, you should be trying to even you know not change it necessarily, but improve upon it in the board game universe as much as possible. That's a, that's a great attitude. I saw you post on Facebook yesterday about uh, fan-favorite retro movies and possible games. Um, I, I saw John Kahn's response to it, which is also mine, which is They Live. Um, <laughs> and if you want to talk offline about those licensors, um, I, I've been trying for a long time. So maybe we team up. Uh, is there an IP out of the retro movie universe that you're desperately longing for? That, or, or if you uh, want to play poker, maybe give us your second choice. But is, is there something that you think you could really uh, take over the moon? Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I mean, uh, there, there's so many awesome opportunities, I think, for licenses that it can make you crazy once you know that that 
you have opportunities to pick from. It's almost like going to shop for a wedding ring. There's sure. so many, right? How do you pick? You know, you have to have a budget. You have to figure out what what's, you know, what's your loved one going to like, you know, uh, <laughs> all of those factors, right? So, you know, as I said, like Secrets of the Lost Tomb, you know, I've always loved Indiana Jones. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of these these great action adventure movies like Terminator and Terminator 2. Now, mm-hmm. some some sad companies have attempted to do those. <laughs> like the Terminator Kickstarter, for instance, and I, I'm not here to talk smack, but I backed that Kickstarter. And, um, you know, uh, I'm losing money now, I feel like. so. Yeah. I, I backed a different game from that company that was another retro uh movie i don't know if we can mm, say it. i I, uh, I also consulted for that company and then promptly quit <laughs> when i uh, yeah we we all know the mess that that came from that yeah and that's a danger to all of us because when you ruin a uh you know when you go to kickstarter and you take money and you you use a, a someone else's intellectual property and don't deliver you tarnish a brand and you scare you know i'm sure chris knows like when paramount is damaged once they don't they go no we don't license board games anymore to get these guys to agree to kickstarter is on top of getting them to agree to have you make a board game that's this whole separate conversation yeah you you not when you go and get this license you're not they're not just granting you kickstarter rights we have several licenses that only will allow selling into stores so the companies that fail just make it harder on the rest of us oh yeah oh yeah they make everybody nervous they make legal teams nervous but again that's not what you were asking right you were asking <laughs> what's your, what's your dream? What's your dream? What's oh, your theme? Honestly, dream? There's one that was done by IDW that we should talk about because I think that uh, <laughs> I think that Back to the Future could oh. potentially be done into something pretty epic. Okay. Um, using okay. Some of the things that we're working on, for instance, you know, um, you know, but there's there I have, I, there's a lot of cool things in the works. We got some really cool licenses that we haven't even announced yet that we've secured. Um, I can't wait to announce some of these. I mean, 2019 is going to be a huge year. We, we have so nice. much, so much epicness, um, on its way, um, to our fans all over the world. So we're, we're, we're pumped. We're excited. That's awesome. Well, I, I'd really be curious to talk to you about back to the future and what we could do with it because you're right. It's a great brand. I think we had a couple of fun games, but there's a lot that was left on the table. Yeah. There, there were smaller in scope. I yeah. feel like you make these kind of big, grander storytelling based sure. games that, uh, that I think it re- really deserves to get that treatment at some point. Yeah. Unless but, I really wanted uh, DeLorean mini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't we all? Uh, but speaking of, <laughs> speaking of tables and, uh, working together, <laughs> There's a pun, I think. Is that right? Right. So um, here's here's something on the fly. We're on past you on working together. I I am just such a fan of Grindhouse, uh, and the from the minute John showed me the cocktail napkin he made to the the first time, and I'll admit that he showed me the logo early. I'm sorry if uh, that violates your trust, but I kept it quiet. But I, I my response was just get the logo designer's name. Um, so I'm also a huge fan of someone else that we discuss on this podcast all the time. It was Grady Hendrix, horror author, um, who has written several books. His latest, We Sold Our Souls, which the premise is, uh, what if the lead singer sold the bandmate souls instead of his own to get famous? And I, I just finished it. It was one of the best reads I've had this year. There Absolutely. you go. My Best Friend's Exorcist, which is about her best friend's exorcist. Uh, and then there's Horror Store. Umlauts over the O. And no uh, E at the end. And no E at the end. Yes. So it's, uh, the premise there is what if zombies weren't in Ikea? And so you can see that Hendrix always sets these premises that are 
like th that's a snap buy every time. And he's very good at world building. And Chris is very good at world building. And he made Grindhouse. So, Chris, if we could make a horror store Grindhouse expansion, would you be interested? All I have to say is Calex chopping off your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that that would be a super fun. Like we've we've looked at the art as as uh, if you look online, if you go through the book, there's a lot of art that was created for Horror Store um, that evokes a lot of ideas right off the bat. That I think is a, a real shoe in it's, for Grindhouse. Yeah, they do. The book is great in the way it sets tone. It begin, it, you know, as it builds the creep, and Grady's very good at that of building slowly the tension in his novels. And so it opens in the first page is is very much an, an IKEA. Diagram of shelves and it's named Calyx, like like Chris just mentioned. But as it goes on, these in, these inventions that you're putting together get creepier and creepier, and you're looking at this Swedishly named device that slowly crushes someone's head. And I think I just I saw that and saw Grindhouse and went, "This is chocolate and peanut butter. And it needs to happen." So um, today's actually to date the episode. Today's Grady's birthday. Oh, so happy birthday, Grady! Happy birthday. And uh, with Chris's blessing, you'll be getting an email, and we'll start a little start a little chain. So oh, yeah. hopefully, we can look forward to that. Now, licensing doesn't always work, but um, I'm good friends with Grady and uh, personal friends, and love the book and. The guys at Quirk Books, the publishers, seem good, and I think we could uh, make this happen and, and maybe go back to the fans. And, you know, Grady's sent some movie deals recently, and, and so maybe we can tie his base, his fan base, with your fan base and ours and, and do something cool. Yeah, I mean, you listen, Ikea is a very scary place. It's easy to get lost there. <laughs> you know, I can totally see zombies popping out. And, hey, um, if you were stuck in there with the host... And you had to go from section to section. I mean, anything can happen, right? Yeah. Will you ever make it out of Ikea? That's the question. Will you make it out of the horror store? Yeah, that's oh, it, right? See, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it just feels like the perfect fit. So maybe that's a, a fun, you know, it's a, sometimes the license you go after isn't obvious. Um, and, you, you know... Or sometimes you rip off and do a, there are several companies that just don't get the license, but make the game anyway. And it's a wink and a nod. But I think in this case, I think if we put this all together, it could bring heat to both sides that would really propel things. Very cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll follow up that conversation. Um, so Chris, we normally do a segment where we bring a pop culture item to the, to, to the table, but instead, maybe since it's near the end of the year, um, Maybe we all throw out our favorite board game that came out this year, our favorite board game experience that we had this year. John, do you yeah. have one? Yeah, because, you know, we always give, talk. We'll, let's give Chris time because I right. just blitzed him with that. Absolutely. Because, you know, we, we definitely we talk a lot about the, the back end of it, the design and the production and, you know, all the business end. And, and sometimes it's easy to get lost and forget that, you know, we actually enjoy playing games too. Uh, for me, I, I, I think this may not come as a shock to too many people. Uh, the game that I got and, and subsequently played hundred times this year was Kingdom Death. Uh, it was it had everything that I like in a game. It had miniatures with like a, an absurd amount of customization. It had the grossest monster miniatures I've ever seen. Which the, they are gross. If if you know me, I love gross, icky horror monster stuff. So I had a blast painting them. I had a blast assembling everything. And then the game is just a story generation machine. It allows you to craft your own story with your friends uh, that is over a long campaign. 
that really has the most memorable moments I've ever had in gaming. Uh, you know, you we I also played Gloomhaven and I really enjoyed that, but the story of Gloomhaven was it was nothing necessarily to, to write home about. It was like okay, it's an, it's a pretty standard adventure fantasy story. But with Kingdom Death, the stories that we crafted ourselves were the ones that were crazy. We had a, a character that my friend had. His name was, for some reason, Squat Party. Um, <laughs> I was Cobra Kyle. Um, nice. And we were. And, and one thing is, is that your characters can build insanity. And, and insanity is kind of this mechanic that protects your brain from, from basically getting brain trauma. Um, and so we had this guy who was an insanity generation machine oh, wow. and most of us had an insanity level of like five and his was like 30 oh, walking wow. around. And so he kind of played up that way and he's like always oh, just this insane guy. And so at the end of one of these monster battles, we were fighting this, this creature called Gorm. It was basically a cross between an elephant and a baby. Um, and we killed it. And there was this uh, event that happened that said anybody who has insanity over 20, starts screaming hysterically and walks off into the mist never to be seen again. Oh my God. <laughs> it was the most memorable thing because we had been talking for weeks about just how ludicrously insane Squat Party was and it had become this kind of running joke. And that was sort of the cap, the keystone, the punchline to this joke was, and then he walked off never to be seen again. And we still make that joke seven months later. We're not even playing Kingdom Death anymore. But whenever something bizarrely fortuitous or unfortuitous happens when we're having our game night, we always just bring it up and we'll be like, and then he screamed off into the <laughs> mist. So that was, that was my game of the year for me. What about you, Nate? Uh, the exact opposite of the spectrum, and this probably shows how we uh, how we deal with a lot of things in life. So, Kingdom Death was a three thousand dollar five year investment and <laughs> hundreds of hours of assembly. My game of the year is Deep Sea Adventure from Oink Games. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> no. yes, oh, absolutely. So, Oink Games out of Japan um, are specialists in microbox games, and this one in particular, Deep Sea Adventure, is uh, just beautiful, and it's just uh, a small ship token, a couple pieces of wood, and some dice. And what you're doing is laying out a path. Uh, you're scuba diving treasure hunters. There's probably a better way. There's a word. There's an actual treasure hunters, whatever. Uh, and you're diving down to bring up treasure back to the boat. Um, and the deeper you go, the more valuable the treasure is. The trick to the game is there's shared air. Oh. Uh, and so everyone on the boat is sharing from the same air supply. And so you need to, it's a push your luck uh, collection game. Uh, and what's been fun for my group is the people who realize I'm not going to make it back to the boat. And so they do everything they can to burn air for other people. So it's in, not just push your luck. It's push everyone. It's luck. push all the luck. Oh, it's boy. a push all the luck game to coin a new term. And, um, I play with such spiteful people that we'll have scores where maybe no one brings treasure back to the boat ever. Uh, and it's just been hilarious. And, and much like you, I, I, you know, it's these games that carry on from, from, uh, or these memes that carry on within your sessions. And, and so just, uh, nope, I'm not going up is, is enough to say in any game that um, you're about to make the radical choice that may tank everyone's like i'm going to try and destroy the fun for everyone <laughs> and so deep sea adventure i think it's only 20 bucks uh and the uh there's no m minis to assemble all right well yeah if if, if you know that's your thing and you don't want to spend a hundred hours assembling yeah. miniatures before you play the game i don't i don't know who would be into that <laughs> <laughs> how about you chris what, what was the best game that you played this year 
Oh, geez, that's a really hard question because, you know, <clears throat> I, um, I I play a lot of games, but uh, these will be... Uh, I'll probably have to give you two. Because okay. one is kind of a carryover with multiple expansions since late 2016. And this is probably my favorite game still today that I think really I enjoy, like, always playing this game. Um, you know, I feel like the storytelling in it, the cadence of the game, the way you progress through it just works really, really well. And that's the new Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Um, a huge fan of the game. I think it, it did an amazing job with something that I really enjoyed when you're playing with the right GM-type player mm -hmm. in Mansions First Edition. Um, but it took that and took it a couple steps further and made it so that you really explored. So it felt like you're playing like a Call of Cthulhu RPG, you know, kind of a GM-less RPG experience that um, you can really just, you know, sit back and, and watch the movie and, 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 and enjoy that choose-your-own-adventure experience. Um, so I, I really like that one, um, you know, and I think that the app integration, all that stuff was really, really great for me. Uh, from something that just came out this year that I really liked, and I'm a huge fan of the entire Betrayal series, but um, I really like the Betrayal at Baldur's Gate a lot. Mm, okay. This new Betrayal Legacy just came out. I played the first um, mission a couple days ago. I'm going to play some tonight, actually. Um, it's my game night. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, I really like um, that new Betrayal Legacy. What they did with it, they've, they've made you feel like uneasy about what's going to happen. You know, you have unknown things, and they're messing with you in the game. And I think that that's really cool. And the storytelling is, is a couple of steps up above the original Betrayal. So, you know, you can tell the kind of games I like. Sure, yeah. yeah. You're exploring, you're getting a story. Again, it's kind of like an RPG without a GM. Yeah, you know? you're an experiential gamer. That's cool. Exactly. You got it. You know, I actually I have a funny story about Mansions of Madness. Uh, I've been on the fence about buying the second edition. I, I owned the first edition, and I loved it, and I was playing it a number of years ago and I had brought it for a game night uh, I took it with me to work and it was sitting in the passenger seat of my car with a couple other games and uh, I parked in the parking lot uh, I was working at the Old Globe in Balboa Park so I parked in the big parking lot there and I come back and someone had smashed out my window and stolen my board games they'd oh. stolen Mansions of Madness brutal but here was the thing. They stole... I had three games there. Mansions of Madness, some other game I can't remember, and I had Risk Legacy. They took the other two. They didn't take Risk. So I'm thinking, they came in here broad daylight, smashed my window, so they took a Risk. But then they didn't take Risk. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I, I like to think that this robber had some part of a heart and was like, oh man, they might be five games in. <laughs> and so he, he couldn't... He was like, oh, I can't take a Legacy game from him. Yeah. They had to know the game. They must have been a gamer, and that's bad. Right. That means they probably knew you. They were profiling your game desires oh, no. for probably weeks, watching, waiting for the moment to pounce on your Mansions of Madness. Amazing. Well, that, that may be why I still haven't pulled the trigger on Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, is, is the hurt <laughs> runs deep. Yeah, and this, this Swim Fan 42 might just come and take that one, too. Listen, it's it's well worth it. I highly recommend it. All right. Well, I may I may just have to do it then. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. You guys, a quick question. How about this one? Let me throw you guys one. Yeah. Um, I, I back a lot of Kickstarters. I think I'm almost at 300 now. Right. Mm -hmm. What is your your most anticipated upcoming Kickstarter that you may have backed if you're waiting for somebody? 
Yeah. Okay. So, so Nate sent me actually this yeah, on Tuesday. I cost John money a lot. You cost me money. So <laughs> Nate, cause we're, we're always monitoring them and we're trying to see what's popping and what's not oh, yeah. and how we can, you know, try and do it. And, um, Nate sends me this Kickstarter for this game called Tainted Grail, The Fall of yeah. Avalon. It's, it's, oh, I backed it. I backed uh, oh, you did? Okay. So you, you're, you're, you're familiar then. So I, um, I took a look at it and Nate's like, so can, can you tell me, because Nate's not as big into these kind of grander um, role-playing games. And so he's like, can you tell me why this game is popping so much? And I watched the video and I went, oh my God, I need this. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's the next evolution of, of what made Gloomhaven so successful. Um, it's, it, it was using a lot of the, the mechanics in there that I really loved. I loved the diceless combat and kind of personalizing of your combat deck in Gloomhaven. Yep. And this game does that. And then it takes it a step further, which is that each of your characters has your own, um, diplomacy deck as well, which I thought was so cool. Uh, they had this really ingenious way of setting out the board, which I'm a little jealous that I didn't think of it myself, um, which is these... Seven yeah, yeah, and they've got these kind of tarot-sized cards that give you a setup of a story on the front, and then you move your character there, and you flip them over, and then you've got this whole story... Uh, on the back of it and I was like oh man that is so clever that's so smart uh, I, I just I got really excited for this game and I, I really can't wait for it to come out because these kind of storytelling role playing experiences are, are really what I, I can sink my teeth into yeah uh, and so I, I'm saying this and, and I'm going to say too because I don't want you to think I'm being nice or whatever but John will tell you I'm not nice so um, <laughs> Grindhouse, is, uh, Grindhouse is honestly the thing I'm most excited about um, but we've talked about that enough and, and in weeks prior we've been building up that game so I will say the other game is uh, Mutants and, which is an asymmetric deck builder yeah. uh, be, and that's by uh, Sen and Jesse um, and I'm incredibly excited about that. I am a deck building fanatic. I'm showing John on my phone right now as proof. I am the eighth ranked Star Realms player of the year. Yep, I see it. Yeah, JR Honeycut number four right there. Uh-uh, I will not insane. be able to run him down this uh, this year, but next year it's off to the races. But uh, I'm a huge deck builder fan. I also happen to really like um, when Sen and Jesse work together. Uh, they they put they do really interesting things like for one for example they're doing a game for IDW that's a roll and write but you don't have to write anything oh Ooh. yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a you it's a rogues Batman rogues gallery and so what you're doing is you're rolling you're spending and at any time you can attack Batman but um, you're not powerful enough but so you spend your roll on acquiring equipment in order to attack Batman and then bat, there's variable different. Batman, so it's not always this, always the same in how you want to power up. But um, so, Mutants uh, by Lucky Duck Games is the one I am waiting on most because I just deck. Uh, I'm a simple man. Give me a new, <laughs> give me a new twist on a on a on a combination, and I'm happy. What about you? Very very nice. Those are good choices. I mean, Tainted Grail. I mean, I just backed it. You know, like day one, I got hyped up about it from. Uh, from some folks on Facebook, I saw it at some some conventions. I was like, this looks really cool. As you said, it's like a cross between Seventh Continent and the Arthurian legends, and, and in a super dark way. And it has this really cool exploration mechanic, which we were just talking about. Um, so, of course, I had to back it. Excalibur Pledge all the way. Come on. Uh, <laughs> so definitely really excited about it. But 
you know, it's, it seems so far away when it'll come. Mm-hmm. And the expansions are a whole other year after that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely very exciting. Um, but I backed, I backed so many things. You know, I actually backed that Wright Busters game as well, which I think looked really cool. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it reminded me a little bit of that Rambo feel. Okay. With, um, oh, Reich Busters. Yeah, it was up last month. Yeah. 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 That, that, yeah, that was cool. That had some good art. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that yeah. that looked really cool. And Cthulhu Death May Die with the giant, oh. gigantor Cthulhu's. Definitely looking forward to that as well. We had a running bit on whether John would buy that for the giant Cthulhu. Yeah, I, I ended up not, uh, but I came so close so many times. And when I went to, I think it was at Gen Con where they actually had a fully painted version of it. And I was, oh man, I was so close. And they were like, I was like, well, it's already over, so it's okay. And they're like, you can late pledge. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) don't worry, I bought two. So if you really want one later, just let me know. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, The the temptation never ceases. Now now he's he's (laughs) tightly gripping the table. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, it's it, you know, for me, I, I don't know that we may have talked at shows, but it, nice to formally have a chat. And I, I couldn't have been more impressed with what you did with Grindhouse. Every art choice was genius, and I'm so happy that's that's where it landed. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It's always been a, an excellent pleasure working with John on games, and uh, you know, again, uh, his, his work on Grindhouse, epic, Secrets of the Lost Station, epic. Everything we've worked together on so far has been epic. So. It's only going to be even more epic moving forward into the yeah, future. Everything well, epic. And I'm, and I'm glad that I could finally get you guys to talk to because Chris and Nate, I, you're the two people I probably talk to the most in the games industry. So it's nice that we finally have. Well, yeah. it's, like, it's like George and Elaine and it's like, well, they don't hang out unless Jerry's there. And it's like, well, let's, let, let's get everybody yeah, together. We'll go. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I guess you and I will go have awkward diner meals and talk bad things about john uh, <laughs> that sounds good well i know I, I think let's talk uh let's talk back to the future soon and let's talk horror store let's try and make those things happen oh, um yeah. yeah any any social media or sites you want to plug where can people find you hey listen we're everything epic.us everything epic uh, on facebook everything epic on twitter everything epic on instagram we're just everything epic you know what i mean epic epic <laughs> all right <laughs> all right thank you chris you got it all right i think that's it uh, yeah. All right. Uh, watch Castle on ABC. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and don't shop at Mattress Firm. These, these are our plugs. All right. All right. There you go. That's it. it.